attention architects, and creative minds. Get ready to supercharge your brand with Build Your Brand, the podcast that's unlocking the secrets of branding success for creatives. Hey there, it's Mark Arlapage, founder of Entree Architect, and I'm inviting you to join my friend, architect marketing expert, Jeff Eccles at Build Your Brand Podcast, where he explores the captivating stories of the world's top brands and transforms their lessons into powerful moves for small firm architects and creatives like you. In season one, Jeff shares the thrilling tale of Southwest Airlines, where he dissects their journey to the summit and distills it into strategies tailor-made for you. It's important to keep in mind that companies like Southwest compete in the real world, just like you, and face real-world challenges, just like you. You might be surprised at how similar those challenges are to the struggles that you grapple with on a day-to-day basis. Don't miss out on your blueprint for success. Subscribe, tune in, and let's build your brand together. You may have noticed that the very best brands in the world are also known for having somewhat unique corporate cultures. That's often the glue that holds everything together when they encounter those rough spots. We don't do it because it inconveniences the passengers to whom we are primarily dedicated, the short haul uh, frequent flyer. Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Build Your Brand today. Remember, no matter the size, the journey's the same. Your brand's journey to the top starts here. All right, Entree Architect community, it's time for Context and Clarity Live, where we spend an hour every Thursday afternoon searching for clarity around the things that matter most to you the architect. And it doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm or if you own your own firm. Maybe you dream of starting your own thing. Maybe you've even said that 2021 is my year and you're on the runway to starting your own thing. Or maybe you have had a firm for a year or 10 years or 20 years and you're starting to rethink or reimagine what that firm could or maybe even should be. All of the topics that we cover fall under the broad umbrella of the business of architecture and they're all the need-to-know topics for the success of architects just like you. If we've never met before, my name is Jeff Eccles, and what you're about to listen to is the audio recording of a conversation that my co-host Catherine McPhail and I had last week with our Context and Clarity guest. Every week, we have a new guest and a new topic, so let's jump right into the conversation. All right, Entree Architect community, it's 4 p.m. Eastern, which means it's time for the Entree Architect Context and Clarity live conversation for Thursday, December 16th, 2021. This is our last Context and Clarity live of 2021, believe it or not. That's where we've made it to. Uh, If you're joining us, say hi. Let us know that you're here and let us know where you're joining the conversation from if we've never met before. My name is Jeff. I come here every weekday afternoon at 4 p.m. Eastern for one reason, so that we can find clarity around the things that matter most to you, the architect. doesn't matter if you're the employee of a firm or you own your own firm. Maybe you've circled the date on the calendar and you said, you know what, 2022 is my year and in January I'm starting my own thing. Or maybe you have owned your own firm for a year or 10 years or 27 years and you're starting to rethink or reimagine what that firm could or maybe even should be. All of the topics that we cover, one topic every day, they all fall under the broad umbrella of the business of architecture, and they're all the need-to-know topics for the success of small firm architects just like you. So thanks for joining us today. As always, for Contacts and Clarity Live, I am joined by my co-host, Catherine McPhail. Catherine, hi, how are you? Hi, Jeff. I am great. How are you? I'm well. Good. Catherine has uh, finished her iced coffee now. We've been talking about coffee for a while. <laughs> yep. <Bad laughs> we're, we're ready to go. Mm-hmm. I should have had an should have had an espresso when we could really be amped up and ready it to go. Could. But doesn't twenty twenty two just sound like the future? It's so It is the future. It is the future, but I mean like way in the future, not in yeah. a couple of weeks future. Yeah, I'm pretty sure we, when we come back, we'll be back in full swing. Uh, we we've, we have several context and clarity events between now and the end of the year, but January 3rd, I think it is, Monday, we'll be back in full swing uh, in the context and clarity thing, coming to you live from the metaverse, 
Mm-mm. Oh, maybe not. Okay. <laughs> no. That's, Catherine, that's sooner Catherine than I not. thought. Okay. I think they just got vetoed. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it does. It does. It does absolutely sound like the Jetsons ought to be zooming around mm-hmm. uh, when we talk about 2022. Uh, I see Christian has joined us from Ithaca, New York. It looks like he's first in. So Christian wins today's crocheted bathtub. Thanks for joining us today, Christian. Tim Dearborn's joining us from Stockton, California. Mark LePage from North Carolina. Kurt's joining us from Twitch and Flint, Michigan. Glad you're joining us. And Benita's over there on uh, in Atlanta on LinkedIn. Glad you're joining us today, uh, LinkedIn. Link Benita. Benita N. I don't know. One of those. Um, thanks for joining us today. And everybody else that's joining us, I'm, I'm looking down the list, and it looks like everybody is showing up as themselves. As you, If you happen to be on Facebook right now, and you look at your comment and you say, hey, wait a minute, my name is not Facebook user and my face doesn't look like that odd silhouette of a fake person, then the reason that's happening is that you're in a private Facebook group right now and because of privacy policies, your name and likeness can't escape the group unless you allow it to, unless you give permission. So if if you're showing up in that way and you want to change that, if you want to show up the way Scott Thrift is from San Francisco right now with his his uh, picture and his name there, then you need to go to chat.restream.io slash FB, as in Facebook. And uh, just a couple clicks, you'll give Facebook permission to connect with uh, Restream, and you'll be uh, off to the races. But having said that, I don't see anybody that's showing up right now as Facebook users. So at least for everybody that's here, you're safe. If you haven't said hi yet, say hi. Let us know that you're here. It's always fun to see where everybody is and, and who's here in these conversations. If this is your first time joining us for Context and Clarity Live, you're in for a treat because this is the simulcast version of Context and Clarity where we have a special guest who right now is waiting in the green room, eating all of the green M&Ms that we've left back there for them in the green room. And uh, we're going to have a fascinating conversation, which I think is a great follow-up to our conversation last week with Michael E. Gerber, the author and or co-author of the entire E-Myth franchise. Um, Last week, Michael Gerber challenged us to think differently, to think about the future of what uh, the business of architecture, the practice of architecture is. And I think this is the uh, perfect follow-up to that conversation. So again, thanks to everybody that's out there and has joined us. If you haven't said hi yet, say hi. Let us know that you're here and let us know where you're joining the conversation from. And let's get this conversation started. We may be running out of green M&Ms by now. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know how much our guest eats when it comes to green M&Ms. So (laughs) we better better get to it. (laughs) Yeah, it could just be our supplies running low. It is the last show of the year. It is the last show of the so year, fun. and as a as a good host, you never want to run out of green M and M's. So we'd better no. we'd better get to it here. Uh, our guest today has spent a career immersed in innovation and thought leadership related to the design and construction of housing. She's a writer and a collaborator who's operated in the overlap of the real world Venn diagram of the most innovative ideas and people in the housing industry. She's the vice president of Ambassador and Industry Partner Programs at BuildXact, a construction management software company based in Melbourne, Australia. Jennifer Castenson, welcome to Context and Clarity Live. Hi, everybody. Thanks for having me. Super excited. And if there were green M&Ms here, which is in my house, I would have crushed them all. (laughs) Well, that's good to know. That's a good trivia question. Uh, Next week on uh, Tuesday, the 21st, we're having the Entree Architect Context and Clarity Holiday Party. That may just be our first trivia question. (laughs) (laughs) Which one? I have to write that down so I can get it right. Um, green M&Ms. I'm writing it down. What, what would Jennifer Castenson do with all the green M&Ms in the she green She would crush room? them, but I'm not sure what that means. Does that mean you would eat them or you would I, just they would have on them? I would have oh, you would have no, crushed them that way. I would okay. not. That would be like M&M abuse. Yeah, I, yeah, I you, was confused. You, I'm glad we cleared that up. You don't waste M&Ms. I mean, that's especially and, the green ones. And that's I really real. hope that if you do leave them, they're peanut M&Ms. <laughs> yeah, I always imagine them being peanut M&Ms. Yeah. Yeah. They can certainly much be better that way. 
Yeah. <laughs> <That's>, <laughs> but that would right, be a question too, please. Yep. We're, got it. So for those of you that have just joined us, we're going to have an entire conversation about innovating with M&Ms today. That's, that's where we're <laughs> headed right now. <laughs> but um, in, in all seriousness, uh, it's great to have you here. Uh, some of you know that uh, I teach a pro practice class and we do a, a special project during the class and uh, the, it culminates with with what I call Shark Tank. It's our pitch night and Jennifer was one of our sharks this week. So um, I appreciate you for doing that as well. Yeah, no, that was a great opportunity and I really appreciate that there are people like you innovating in the space and bringing that to the forefront. I mean, I'm, I, um, it needs to be encouraged on all fronts, right? Um, just supporting people to have new ideas and bring new ideas and energy and passion into the industry. Um, yeah, I have a lot of enthusiasm for that. Yeah, I mean, you, you've basically built your career around this idea of innovation, right? Yeah, I <laughs> I hang my hat on it. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> so, w- with that, and and all all of these uh, all this time and all these roles uh, that you've played and and pulling together events and everything else, all all kind of swirling around the idea of innovation. Maybe we ought to start with um, how do you define innovation? Well, um, I think it's basically doing something that um, differently. Um, And I think that it's a different approach um, to something, to a challenge or solution that's out there. Um, And like you said, I have focused on it. Um, I got the opportunity, um, which I just really cherish, to work at um, what was formerly Hanley Wood and now is Zonda, but they publish Architect Magazine, Builder Magazine, um, Journals by Construction, Multifamily Executive, Affordable Housing um, Finance, and work across all those different verticals in the industry to look at what were the the biggest challenges facing the industry overall, and then trying to bring forth the innovators who were trying to solve those issues through content and through event programming. So exciting. And I got the opportunity to meet so many great people who were um, making an impact. And and some of them had great ideas um, that couldn't go anywhere because, you know, for a variety of reasons. But um I think there's still so a, a huge runway for um, innovation in the architecture and um, residential space. That's to me, that's one of the most interesting aspects of of your career, right? As I look at it, you know, from the outside, is you know, it's really easy for us, whoever we are, whatever we do, to stay in our stay in our silo, right? Well, I'm an architect; I focus on architecture, or I'm a contractor and focus on building things but when when you have been putting together these conferences and and the content all those things that you talked about as you said you're you're really making connections across the entire industry if we can say it that way and so i love this idea of hey you know as an architect you may not be able to innovate to the appropriate solution on your own. It may take this partnership with somebody else, whether it's a builder, an insurance company, a lender or whatever. Um, what, what are some of the most exciting things that you've run across over the past few years that you would call innovative in this space? Do you have favorites? Um, I do, but I want to back up for a minute because okay. what you, what you said just kind of struck a chord with me, which is, Architects who focus on architecture, which I don't think exists anymore. I think architects and builders and, I mean, even contractors and, but everyone is now required to have key competency in um, the local policy, in um, health and wellness and codes and sustainability and resiliency and many other things, um, which for me 
Um, you know, I, I had that awesome job at Zonda and I was presented with an opportunity to go to Build It Back, which you were talking about. I'm now there, um, which is a construction management, uh, project management software. And now I'm really excited to use that as a tool to help the architects and builders to take away some of those responsibilities and kind of de-risk the process and be able to give them the opportunity not to have to be experts in those areas, but to do like architects focus on architecture and have the builders focus on building, de-risk the process and use the software as a service or a tool that they can, then they can innovate in, in the areas where they're, where they have the expertise and not have to focus on some of those details um, or the things that they're not experts in. Well, let's go down that road then for a while. Um, and, and, and I love, I love that idea, right? It's delving into, or, or maybe even finding new or exploring new expertise. But um, what do you see out there in the world, so to speak, in terms of maybe the best partnerships, you know, how are people finding each other to connect, you know, the build builder, contractor, architect, others, how are they finding each other and how are they uh, developing these partnerships that leads to innovation with each playing to their own strengths maybe? Yeah. So I see um, it's happening in a variety of ways. Um, I do think that, there is, we have not as an industry created a space that is like a maker space. And, um, you know, it's something that we, we tried to do when I was at Zamba. We tried to create this event that was called Hive, which was housing innovation, vision economics. Um, now at Build is Back, we're, my role is focused on getting to a point in two or three years where we host a, an event for dealers and builders together where they can really collaborate. But until then, we'll be putting them together within the software and allowing them to interact. And we'll be tracking how they interact and then sharing that with the industry at large. But I mean, I think there are some people who are at the forefront and have figured out how to make connections in the industry. And I, you know, some of them, you know, come to mind and they, they do it at events. They, they reach out on LinkedIn. They're doing research, they're writing about it, they're sharing it with people. And I think the key is sharing and transparency because the more you share, the more comes back to you. And, you know, any idea, um, I've, I've worked with several people who are willing to just be open books and share the innovation that they have, uh, and, it's amazing to me the kind of snowball effect of that and how many other people are able to jump in and offer their services. They all of a sudden have manufacturers who want to be part of a pilot project, who want to layer in and, you know, write a white paper. Um, and I've, I've seen that happen in several different capacities over the past, you know, eight years. As you were talking, and this came up, this morning too. So for those of you out there, whether you're listening to this on the podcast or you're live with us now, uh, if you don't know this already, we start out uh, our conversations every morning on the Clubhouse app at 9 a.m. Eastern. We call it our half hour coffee talk. So this morning we previewed this conversation and uh, somebody said something. I don't remember what it was. And as you were talking, it reminded me of the book, um, Where Good Ideas Come From. Have you ever read that book? It, it's um, Stephen Johnson, Where Good Ideas Come mm -hmm. From, The Natural History of Innovation. As you were talking about that transparency and that openness, you know, he talks, uh, I don't remember the terms off the top of my head anymore. It's been a while, but um, he talks about proximity and parallels and, and basically rubbing rubbing off on, e uh, on each other. And th that's exactly what you're describing is, is, is what's in that book. That's, uh, that's a good read for anybody um, out there that likes to uh, think about innovation or aspire to innovation. Stephen Johnson, 
is the author, where good ideas come from, the natural history of innovation. So at Build Exact, you know, it's a software mainly for contractors, right? So it is for um, builders, dealers, and um, contractors, remodelers. And we actually just did a collaboration with Epicor um, and their BizTrack system, which is an ERP. And so it actually is um, integrates our software with theirs so that when a builder places an order, it gives the exact pricing from the dealer. So it is more transparency and accuracy than these builders have been able to have before. And in today's market, it's huge. And in general, it just takes something that was a four-hour process and makes it a one-hour process. Um, so another way that collaboration, just another example of collaboration that leads to innovation in the industry. And this is just, just announced like um, a few weeks ago. So it's super exciting. Okay. And, and for those of us out here that don't know what it is, what's an ERP? Oh, um, that is the dealer's pricing system. It's a cost system. Okay. Um, okay. And it uh, obviously is an acronym that I'm not thinking of at the moment, but it's an ERP. Yeah. And yeah. So, um, and Timothy's asking where architects and actually I know Mark LePage was in here, but I am working with Mark LePage right now to validate, um, a, a plugin for, um, architects in the system. So we'd like to bring in floor plans and architects into that process because actually I was visiting with a dealer two months ago and they had an architect on staff. And then they realized they just couldn't support an architect on staff. It was just too much for them because they're trying to run their business. And just like I was saying before, you know, dealers need to focus on being dealers and those operations. Um, so trying to figure out how we can have architects floor plans already built in. And then all of the product list is, is um, associated with that. And then they can, you know, kind of like add it to a cart. A customer chooses that floor plan. It goes into our software. It goes direct to the dealer. All the product is picked, and then the builder can focus on the house. You know, and 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 again, talking about how we can help the builder process. We could have floor plans that are net zero or all electric or um, fire resilient. Things that help the builder. Um, provide solutions for the customers, um, you know, focus on health or well-being or whatever it is without having to be an expert in that area. So we could have architects who are experts in that type of design, provide those designs, have the product list built out, the product lists go direct to the dealer. And so it's just um, creating a, a more uh, seamless product process. Thank you, Benita, for enterprise resource planning. <laughs> this part of the community they're going to figure it out. they're going to find the answer love whether it. we've got it or love not love it yeah. Yeah. well i i think and and mark is um uh mark lepage has commented this as well he says imagine if architects could access that estimating cost data um you know as, as you're describing that that's exactly what is coming to my mind because i'm having conversation with conversations with architects around the world that are scared of cost, right? You know, they're designing something that costs twice as much today as it did 24 months ago, something like that. I think collaborating so that as you're designing, you have some idea of, of what the implications are. You know, it's, it's all got to be reducing friction um, eventually for the, uh, uh, for, for the client. Well, Jeff, I think another thing, too, that I'm sure you've studied before is the network effect. So, yeah, so that's something that we're very, very focused in on is what does that mean? Um, And that means that the more people you the more people are using your system, the more value it brings to all of the users. So um, the more 
dealers that we have that are using it brings in more builders. And as the builders use it, it brings in more intelligence to the system. Um, and it just brings everyone more value. And again, if we add architects to that mix as well, again, bring more value to all the users. Yeah, I think on, on a, you know, a 30,000 foot level, I mean, that's, that's the exact argument as well, just simply for collaboration, being transparent and collaborative. It, we, we talked earlier this week about, um, what excites you about architecture and the profession, uh, maybe your work. I think it was uh, Tuesday that we used that as our topic. And, and more than one person said the increased amount of collaboration that they, that they see, uh, in, in a community of architects, which this is predominantly a community of small firm architects. But I think just from that level, being collaborative, being open to, to sharing ideas and information starts to tap into that, that network effect, um, you know, get, gaining, gaining knowledge from other, other places. Mm-hmm. The, yeah, um, for sure. What, um, you know, we, we've, we've been talking about innovation and, and ways to innovate and, um, you know, things like that, but maybe to take half a step back, why do we need to innovate? I mean, is it necessary? So I think it's necessary for us to evolve as a species. Um, I think, it, yeah, for sure, it's necessary. Um, as an industry, we keep layering on complication. What's innovative is trying to be simple, <laughs> trying to take out some of that complexity. Um, and, you know, we need, we, I mean, that's in, really needs to happen um, in order to get more of the housing supply that we need and to make it more affordable, which are just critical issues today. Um, and another critical issue is the extreme weather events we're having. And how do we respond to that? We have to be innovative. We have to start thinking together um, I, you know, you asked before who I think is, um, has some of the best, most innovative projects. Um, and again, I'm going to be talking about collaborations. Um, I'm really excited about this project that was brought forth by Procter & Gamble, um, lo and behold, but it's called the 50 Liter Home. And they are doing this initiative with a number of partners. Um, including, uh, Kohler, um, and I'm, I shouldn't say anymore because I don't want to get them wrong. Um, some world, uh, some global partners in to show how we can live off of 50 liter, liters of water in our homes. And that's such an important issue with water scarcity in a lot of places. Even here in the U.S., there's water scarcity. And then, also, it's super important because um, they just put out a report that shows how much carbon we use heating up the water in our homes. And they're calling it just an invisible issue. Um, it is really, really important for us to focus and create collaborations like that. Thank you for putting out that website. It's such a cool project. Um, but it is incredibly important. Um, and that is a, a really cool example of collaboration and innovation. Uh, for those of you who are listening, uh, th- those of you who, are, who have joined us live, if you look at the bottom left of your screen right now, uh, there's a URL for the 50 liter home project. It's 50lhome.org is the, uh, the website there that uh, Jennifer was, the project Jennifer was just talking about. And it, it's, you know, I'm I'm going back to what you said several minutes ago about, um, you know, basically you can't exist in in your silo anymore, right? You, you there has to be this collaboration. I love ideas, um, I love ideas like this. And you know, you said Procter and Gamble, and I don't know how many people. I I kind of chuckled because I know where you are and I know where Procter and Gamble is, but yeah, <laughs> but but. Uh, but I'm sure there are a lot of people in the audience that went Procter and Gamble. You know, yeah, that, 
that doesn't seem like architecture, but that's the point, right? Yeah. So I actually found out about this project. Not, I mean, it, what Jeff is alluding to is that I live in Cincinnati and Procter and Gamble is, is based in Cincinnati, which, you know, every person, I would say every third person that I meet here works at P&G, um, Procter and Gamble. But, um, the reason why I even knew about the project was because they had a um, virtual display of the 50 liter home prototype at the consumer electronics show last year, which is the first time I heard about it. So it, it was really cool. And I'm actually continuing to track it. And one of the things that um, I'm working on at the moment, um, I'm a contributing writer for Forbes focused on innovation and housing, um, but I'm writing an article on the 50 liter home right now. So I hope to have it published in the next couple of weeks, but um, on some of the initiatives that they have going right now. Yeah. So if, if you're an architect, you know, there's, um, you know, a couple dozen or more uh, live in our audience right now and more that will listen to this or watch this in the future. But um, what's, what is step number one? There, there are a lot of us, right? 20, 20 months or so ago, things shut down and, People shut their offices down, or we're sitting home, and we, we've been we've been separated a lot in, in our own bubbles a lot. So, if you're an architect, how do you get out of that bubble and and uh, you know kind of break out into these uh, into the space and find collaborators? Yeah, that's a great question. I think everybody's going to have their own unique style to do it. And I think you can do it in different ways. I don't think you necessarily have to be an extrovert. I think it's just sharing your ideas. You can share your ideas through Mark's, um, Mark's platforms, um, on Entree Architect. You can share your ideas through LinkedIn. Um, you can write about them on LinkedIn. You can just, um, <clears throat> there's so many different unique ways. If you do want to, I would say you can create, um, join local groups, um, and be able to talk to people and even join groups that are a little bit different. They don't have to be in your vertical. So join the local group of general contractors, join the local group of builders, the, um, home builders association in your area. Uh, to share ideas and get new ideas um, and be able to um, create collaborations or partnerships and, and not necessarily, they don't have to be formal or just, it could just be gathering ideas. I think there's so many different unique ways and it can be totally based on your own style and personality. I think that's a great point. And for any of you that read the book that I mentioned before, uh, where did good ideas come from? I think there's a story in there about scientists uh, sitting at different tables, um, eating lunch, you know, wh whatever, wherever scientists work and the, the trade-off and the, the uh, exchange of ideas that leads to big innovation. It doesn't have to be, doesn't have to be some grand gesture. Yeah. And, but I have to say though, Working in this space um, for a number of years, so many of the great ideas and so much innovation is driven by architects. You know, and I think that architects are such a huge force, um, change agent for the industry. I know that, you know, many of the architects that I know are the ones that are driving the pilot projects, the ones that are, who are doing the research, who are publishing the research, who are looking at the different ways that uh, some of the first people I knew researching COVID were architects um, and, you know, how it impacts society. And they weren't just doing surface and talking about just design. They were looking at culturally uh, and you know, how it's going to impact society. It is, it, it amazes me. And I, I go back time and time again to some of the architects I know to understand what they're working on in order to inform myself about what are the trends in the industry and where we're headed. Um, and it's so exciting. I, there's, there's a handful of people that I just, um, always just totally geek out on when I, when I get to talk to them and hear from them. <clears throat> so where, where do those ideas come from? Is it simply identifying? I mean, COVID's obviously a, a big, a big problem, but, but is it simply looking around and identifying a problem that needs to be solved? 
So that's a good question. I mean, I, I think what, what we've found and the responsibility that we as a society, um, have put on architects have made them the experts in this area. Um, you know, if you look at some of the largest firms, um, SOM and Perkins Will and Eastman, all of those firms, big, um, they have R&D departments that are looking at all, all of these societal issues, um, and breaking them out into how they impact the built environment and how can we change the built environment to manage these, um, it, challenges or, or be the best that we can be. And I mean, if you look at, so, I mean, I've seen several projects where we're looking at how we're building house homes or housing for Mars or for the moon. Um, they're looking into the future and how are we going to be doing all these things? It's incredible. And architects are doing that. We're not leaning on, um, some huge aeronautical groups to do that. These are architects. They're, they're solving for these issues. It's, it's incredible. Yeah. I, um, you know, we, I mentioned my group of students a little bit earlier and that's, that's where we start our project is, you know, I, I keep it, you know, they're, they're students. Um, and they've never been exposed to quote unquote business ideas before because they're in architecture school and that doesn't happen for some reason. And so we start with, you know, what's the problem that you see that needs to be solved, right? And and hopefully something that you're passionate about because that's going to care. If we're going to design housing for Mars, we've got to be pretty passionate about it because it's going to take a lot of brain power and effort to to carry us through that process and so it's you know in in that small context with the students it's what's a problem that you see that needs to be solved where you can think of a solution other people agree that it's a problem that needs to be solved and and uh, eventually we'll we'll buy into your solution and that's that's how we start that project and i i think to me that that's got a very uh um basic basic need to it Right. Yeah. It's uh, you know, m- making making things up, innovating for innovation's sake. You know, does does yeah. that exist? I don't know. <laughs> is it is it possible to innovate for innovation's sake? I'm not sure. Not it doesn't feel right. No. Huh. Catherine, you say no on that. Well, I I, I don't know. It kind of it's kind of similar to the um, does your business always have to be growing question to me, hmm. which we talked about last week, I think. So, I don't, I mean, I don't know, maybe we do innovate for, and maybe we do. Do you think they ever do that? Anybody ever does that? That's their job. I mean, that's your job. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we're getting into the philosophical, I think, definitely. But I I think, to me, innovation is, is about, you know, like you said, Jennifer, it's about creating change. Why would we change? You know, what needs to change? And I, I think, that need to change or that desire to change is is always going to to be what spurs the innovation so maybe it's not possible to to innovate without without a at least a desire i don't know <laughs> we're going to get into deep philosophy we're going to have I think you could trip Jack on Andy. innovation Say that again. And oh, I said I think you could trip on innovation, but I like your reference to Jack Handy. <laughs> <laughs> It's, we're going deep <laughs> because hey free dummy <laughs> that's excellent apologies to some of you that may not understand yeah go, i don't stay uh, up that late go yeah yeah well you can google uh I deep will, thoughts will. by jack handy well i do Saturday know about Night deep Night thoughts Life. yep uh, yeah, they are deep are, they are mm. deep mm. so i think i actually curated a story um i think earlier this week that had my mind spinning a little bit, but um, just about how 3D printing will be taking over. Um, and we have all these, you know, we have all the supply chain. We actually, Icon is building the first 3D printed community in Austin, which should be opening in uh, next year, early next year. Um, and they, they're also one of the ones that is looking, that are looking at housing or 3D printing housing for Mars. But this story was talking about how 
every community will have a 3D printer. And by community, they just mean like um, township. So that 3D printer could be, you know, the source of the product that that community needs, um, which solves for so many different issues, right? Um, and we are so, we could use that. And there's still maybe 10% of what we would need. We'd still need to order or have already made or whatever it is. But every community would have a 3D printer and then everyone um, in their house would have a 3D printer. So you would be printing things in your house and then the community would also be providing things, which would totally disrupt the supply chain, um, but totally makes sense for what a future could be. Um, my husband is actually a mechanical engineer and he... Um, design things and then he prints them out in the 3D printer and he's like, Oh, this is a, this is what we need. Or he might have to fudge it a little bit and figure out, um, you know, that it needs a, a little bit of a change. And not only does he use it for work, but if something happens in our house and something breaks and we're like, Oh, this broke. And he's like, well, let me see that. I think I can print that part. So he takes it apart. He prints out the part that we need. And fixes whatever is in our house. So it's, it's becoming a reality. It's, and I know, I mean, like GE, um, aeronautics is actually another company that's here in Cincinnati and they're starting to 3D print turbines. So, um, you know, what else can be and when is that in our future and how are we starting to think about that? And one more example, sorry. Um, and this is directly related to housing. There's a company called V total innovator um they are um doing prefabricated homes they are 3d printing the finishes on the walls so like you can say this is what i want on the walls this is the type of finish that i want on the wall and it's 3d printed and it lasts for a long time it can be the design the it, you know it can be what you want it could be wood pattern whatever it is. Um, but really changing the way we think about how housing can be produced. Um, it's, it's fascinating. Going, going even further down the technology road, I suppose. Um, what have you seen or what do you know, or what are you studying, if anything, about AI in design or in construction? Yeah, so I've seen a couple groups that are starting to use, and, and this is again coming from the architecture space, starting to use AI to share designs on a global platform on very large projects. So that's kind of what I've seen using VR and um, doing that. Um, what else have I seen? I don't know. Um, not a lot. I don't know. So I think there's a, a little bit that's in the part of marketing, um, housing to, uh, consumers, home buyers. I think there's a little bit in the aspects of, um, the rental community, but I don't think I've seen a lot of traction. Um, I don't know. Sorry. I don't, I don't, oh, no, that's, that's, yeah, that's all right. I mean, it's it's another one of those elephants in the room, right? That's at some point it's going to uh it's it's going to we're going to encounter it whatever that means. Um but you know, as as we're as we're talking about this, does innovation always have to be about or driven by technology? No. No, no, no. I yeah, that's a solid no. I mean, it could be building code um it could be the way um I, there's so many different things and, and policy change oh we could use so much innovation and policy change it could be zoning i mean it was very innovative when the first town got rid of all single family zoning so that we could start building more density and we could um really change the shape of um housing affordability in certain areas 
So yeah, it's not always technology. It can be in any shape or form. It could just be who you start collaborating with. It's who you could start talking with. Um, there are definitely many different ways to slice it. I was I was thinking about AI in relation to architecture and if that does become a reality, it, it would seem like architects would be involved with developing that AI, right? So then would it be would it be bad? I know people are uh that maybe came up as one of the fears this week, uh talking about AI taking our our jobs, but I would assume that that someone programming that is going to be in the design field. I, I don't know. Yeah, that would give us that would give us something to do. Yeah, yeah right. I, mean, I, I think it's like anything. I mean, it's it's a tool, right? Um, so how are we going to use the tool? How I don't, how much control are we going to have? Somebody's somebody's got to create the thing, like you said. Yeah. We uh, one of our goals, and I said this, I think yesterday, uh, for or one of my goals at least for the near future in uh, context and clarity live is to have uh, conversations about AI. Uh, one of you know one of the things, and then also the uh, <laughs> this is going to make some people's um, hair stand on end. Uh, a lot of people's hair stand on end. Talk about NFTs and blockchain and metaverse and what what that could have to do with the future of of architecture. Um, so you know we'll we'll explore those things. Are you running across anything in those realms, Jennifer, at this point? Not really. I mean, I I have heard um, someone who is working on selling the virtual real estate. I'm not super excited about that. So uh, that seems <laughs> yeah. to be the general sentiment around the context yeah. and clarity community. So yeah, um, yeah. I'm I'm just interested because there's you know there's a lot of speculation. Uh, well, literally, literally and figuratively speaking, about that. And you know, is it really basically video game land or you know, are NFTs really just a way to market your your albums? You know that kind of thing. It's I I want to know specifically what a realistic view of how are these things or are these things going to impact the uh, the profession of architecture? Or, you know this this innovation that we're talking about. So you know, we'll that's that's on the list for 2022. For those of you that are out there, we're gonna we're gonna dig into these. Um, into these things. I so, agree with you, Catherine. That seems very futuristic. 2022. I don't yeah. know why. It's like, it feels like 10 years away from 21. <laughs> figure <laughs> figure yeah. that out. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know why either, but it, it does. It just feels like, you know, when I, when I grew up in the seventies, when I was a little kid in the seventies, thinking about 2022 was just like the Jetsons, yeah. definitely flying cars for sure. You know, no, there are no flying I think flying cars are just a bad idea, but the rest of the Jetsons stuff is actually happening. And as I've said, before, well, I think really flying cars are a great idea, but mostly if it's just me that has one. Well, right. It would have to be just me or just you and not everybody. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Be a mess. <laughs> okay. Well, we're going to have one flying car. Well, she can have one in Ohio. I'll have one in Massachusetts. Okay. You know, right. fair enough. One per state, apparently. I don't know what we're doing about. I don't know what we're doing about interstate travel here, but <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, flying flying cars. What um, you know in in your work at Build Exact, which you know I agree with. I think it was Mark earlier said you know wouldn't it be awesome if if architects could have access to real time pricing. Or, or you, or you create a team that, that um, you know, that has a builder and, and others where the real time pricing is coming into your, into your network. Um, what else do you see as really practical steps, practical innovations, uh, even if it's simply near future kinds of things? There's, there's a lot. I mean, I heard I was, I was having a conversation with Kurt earlier today, actually. Um, I, I was down in Cincinnati a few weeks ago and, uh, I, I had a speaking engagement down there for a group of architects. And one of them said that they couldn't get bar joists. I think he said until 2023 because Amazon had, 
um, Amazon projects had sucked all of those out of the supply chain. And several people in the Entree Architect community said, yeah, and um, uh, dock levelers and, you know, all these other things. So we've got supply chain issues, like you said. Um, everybody's like out of their mind busy um, in, in a, lot of, uh, a lot of areas. What are some practical things that you see going on right now that are applicable in 2022 <laughs> the distant future of 2022 um is there anything that's that's just sort of down and dirty hey this is a great a great change that's that's just been made or that's coming so i mean i think it's unique situations right so um each firm really needs to look at what's going on within their organization how they can innovate um i think there are things that are i i'm very excited about which again um is something that's super easy to change is uh workforce development um diversity and inclusion the esg initiative i'm also super excited about um a lot of investors getting behind that i think that's um incredible something that needs to happen um now it's hard to say whether that's going to be an easy change or not in both of those realms but i think that specifically with diversity and inclusion i think that's a super easy change um look at your board look at who you're working with who you're hiring making sure that there are minorities represented um I think also just looking at solutions like I was just talking about, making sure that you are looking at technology in ways that can drive efficiencies for your organization so that you can bring value to other parts of the process. So I was talking about our build exact software, how it can help the builders and the the remodelers and contractors and dealers and let them focus on other tasks that hopefully will bring about more sustainable, more affordable solutions um, and elevate the industry at large. So I think there's a lot of different ways to look at it and um, it's pretty unique to each situation. So it seems like the bottom line for some of these things is that um, a lot of us have to get out of our shells and, and concentrate on, on team building. We can't, yeah. um, you know, we can't just rely on ourselves and our own knowledge. Um, of course that would sort of be the antithesis of, of innovation, I suppose, but, but um, um, get out and, you know, if, if let, let me go this direction with it. Right, we've we've got the traditional design, bid, build model. And this may be a whole can of worms that I'm opening up now, but we've got this traditional design, bid, build model of you know obviously design and construction relationships between architect, contractor, and, and owner. Um, does innovation kill that model? Right, does the necessity to build teams at an early stage kill that model? So. I don't want to say I hope so, but kind of. Um, so I think that, you know, even with, I, I've been really paying attention to modular construction and prefabrication and studying that a lot and writing about it for Forbes and, and so on and so forth. Um, and in that process, it takes a lot of collaboration in before you get started because once you get started, it's not, you're, you're not turning around. Like, and there aren't change orders like you can do when you have on-site construction. So, um, it's, that also is just kind of changing the model of how people operate and, and how things are built. And in a good way, because if we do it that way, there are huge efficiencies and huge cost savings and we can, provide more affordable housing for um or more uh, more affordable projects hospitality is one of the the industries that's really leveraging modular and prefabrication so I, and that's just a 
a good example of how that collaboration needs to take place and how it's changing the design process. I think I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I think the, um, you know, hopefully that is headed the way the design bid build uh, format is uh, or model is headed the way of the dinosaur. Um, I know we're, we're almost, we're right on the edge of the top of the hour here. So we'll, we'll have to wrap this up. Um, But as we, as we head there, as we, as we wrap up this conversation, what do you, what's, what's your number one tip, maybe your top three tips or whatever, whatever you want to do for um, small firm architects that are looking out, you know, at the, the prospects of the future of their practice and how they serve clients and, and um, you know, what the business looks like. Do you have any advice for uh, small firm architects? Sure. I think you hit the nail on the head. Don't isolate yourself. Um, uh, and then the other thing is Mark LePage put a link in the, the, the chat to be part of an event that we're working on together. Um, that, um, would be a great way to talk to others, learn from others, um, share ideas and have great conversations. But I think just in general, like being part of a group like that, um, and, and it doesn't necessarily mean a live event. Like I said, your solution needs to be custom to you and your needs as a small, small firm architect. Um, and you can do, you can create groups online to learn from. You can find information online to learn from. Um, but I would say also don't stop reading and learning. Like, there are, I mean, I read a book a week and there's so much to learn. And even if you just choose to do a book a month, um, please just keep reading or choose a podcast or do something that helps you think outside of your day to day role. Um, it's, that's critical. Well, you really opened the door for that. So, um, I mentioned, I think it was yesterday on our Context and Clarity conversation, that starting in 2022, we will have our Context and Clarity book club once a month. So at the beginning of a month, we'll announce a book. And I think what I penciled in on the calendar is the last Friday of the month, we'll have our Context and Clarity book club. So if you only participate in that, uh, you should be able to get 12 books in 2022. So um, that's great advice. What's the first book? I, I gotta get on that. that. <laughs> it's not January yet. We'll we'll announce that at the beginning the beginning of the month. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we haven't we haven't picked the book yet. Um, but but one, I I feel so strongly about what you're saying about reading and or listening to podcasts or whatever. Um, I just want to share, and I shared this the other day that in 2019 I set that goal. I I realized I hadn't been reading. Um, for a long time. And so I set a goal of reading a book a month. And I got to the end of 2019 and realized that I was uh, halfway through my 30th book in the year. And that, I, I guarantee you, was the best goal I ever met. Uh, and obviously just blew out of the water, exceeded. Um, so whole, I wholeheartedly endorse what Jennifer is talking about there. Keep learning, keep reading. Um, Catherine had up on the uh, the screen there a moment ago the the uh, event that Jennifer referenced is the Entree Architect Annual Meeting coming in autumn of 2022 in Austin, Texas. So um, mark that. Just just block out the entire fall um, and plan to meet us in <laughs> in Austin uh, next year, 2022. Uh, that uh, that will be a uh, very good event. And as I mentioned. Earlier, um, another event that's coming up much, much sooner next Tuesday is the Entree Architect Context and Clarity Holiday Party. So uh, make sure that you find the Eventbrite link for that and register for that so that through the magic of Eventbrite, there you go. Thank you, Catherine. They're on your screen, entreearchitect.com slash holiday party 2021. Um, through the magic of Eventbrite, you register and it sends you all of the the Zoom info that you need to join us for that holiday party. And you're all invited 
to uh, join us for that. It'll, it'll be a good time. Uh, maybe Jennifer will with join lots us. of M and M's. With lots <laughs> of M and M's. All the M and M's. Caramel M and M's are the best M and M's. Have you had those? The caramel M and M's. I've not. Oh, those are good. I still favor the peanut. Yeah, mm. no, but you know they have to innovate, yeah. right? So they have to come up with new flavors right. of M and M's all the time. Okay. Yeah. Well, if you want, if you want innovation, go to the try the dark chocolate ones. No. Not <laughs> no. Okay. No. Do you like dark chocolate, Jeff? I know you're a fan of chocolate, but I didn't know if you like dark. Um, I essentially bleed espresso and dark chocolate, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nice. An image. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, some an of image. You, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Some of you talk about vegetables. I'm pretty sure that uh, dark chocolate comes from vegetables, so I'm good. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, with that, Jennifer, thank you very much for joining us for this conversation and, and, uh, sharing your knowledge and experience with us. I, I also invite everybody to uh, keep an eye out for Jennifer's articles in Forbes magazines because um, they're about innovation, as you can imagine. They're really, she finds some of the most interesting things to uh, to write about in, uh, in our world. So um, thanks for all that work that you're doing and the work that you're doing with Entree Architect as well. And uh, appreciate you sharing all of this about uh, innovation today. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure and, and thank you for all the work that you guys are doing. And uh, and I would like to say thanks for the M&Ms. Maybe next time. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll drop a package off next time. In Cincinnati. <laughs> all right. Sounds great. <laughs> and for all of you that are out there listening to the podcast, thanks for listening. Uh, you will notice a format change in the Context and Clarity podcast in early 2022. Uh, that's exciting. We'll talk more about that at a later date. And uh, those of you that are joining us live, as always, thank you. I appreciate all of you for joining us, for all of your questions and comments, and for making Context and Clarity a thing, because without you, uh, no one, we're 416 or 17 conversations in at this point. No one, not even my mother, would have stuck around for to hear me talk 416 or 17 times. You all made this a thing and gave us the ability and a reason to talk to Jennifer Castenson today. So thank you for making Context and Clarity a thing. Be well, be safe, take some time to breathe and relax and find a way to rejuvenate because we're going to do this all again tomorrow. Tomorrow, Context and Clarity is our mystery member spotlight. It's our last one of 2022, 2021 before we head into 2022. So join us. The guessing begins at 4 p.m. Eastern. Who is our final mystery member spotlight for 2021? you got to show up to find out. All right. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day, a great evening, a great night, wherever you are in the world. And I hope that I'll see you all somewhere sometime soon. Thanks, everybody. Okay. Well, there you have it. What did you think of that conversation? Hopefully, there was some big takeaway that will help you this week with your business. If there was, let me know. DM me on Instagram or on Twitter. You can find me on all the socials at Jeff underscore Eccles. So send me a message and let me know what your takeaway was. And if you want more conversations like this, subscribe to the Context and Clarity podcast and leave us an honest review and rating. Those things really help us get the message out and help us help more architects just like you. Oh, and follow Context and Clarity on Instagram as well so you can get a heads up on everything that's coming up. In our next episode, Catherine will join me again along with a special guest. Or will it be guests from the Context and Clarity community so we can break this conversation down? It will be Context and Clarity backstage, so to speak. So join us as we all share our biggest takeaways and look for ways to apply what we heard in today's conversation to our own businesses. And if you love content like this, check out Gable Media. It's a multimedia network for people that care about the built environment, and it's the home of Context and Clarity. With Gable's growing family of podcasts and video channels, I know that you'll find something there that interests you. You can learn more at gablemedia.com. That's G-A-B-L media.com. And finally, if today's topic is of particular interest to you, 
and you'd like to dig deeper into it, then join me over in the Entree Architect Community Facebook group. That's where every weekday at 4 p.m. Eastern, I host Context and Clarity Conversations, and we take these topics and we dig deeper. We have a conversation in real time to try to find more clarity around the things that matter most to you. So thanks for listening. I hope our time together has inspired you to think about your community, your practice, and how you can support those around you. Catherine and I will be back for our next episode. And in the meantime, I hope you'll join me and the Entree Architect community on Facebook today at 4 p.m. Eastern so that we can help each other find more clarity around the topics that matter most, no matter what your context may be. I've mentioned it to my family, but in terms of telling people like, oh yeah, we're doing this, I'm looking for projects. You got anything? Yeah. I'm, I'm not there yet because it scares the out of me. Dreaming of launching your own architecture firm? Well, buckle up for a wild ride with Emerging, the podcast that shares what it's really like to start an architecture firm. Where do we begin? We don't even know what type of business to formalize as. Is it an LLC? Is it an LLP? Like, how are taxes? I mean, the list is astronomical. Season one featured founders Jeffrey, Lexi, and Chris, owners of Level Studio Architecture, are your fearless guides on this unfiltered journey from napkin sketches to a thriving studio. One evening, stumbled into one last dive, we sat at the bar and pondered our postgraduate futures. Amidst the conversation, a napkin became the canvas for our aspirations, sketching plans and milestones, sealing our heartfelt commitment and shared dreams. In drawing down dreams on a napkin collectively, that <laughs> then, you know, in your head, you've rooted like, oh, I'm connected to these people, like long term. The process of starting an architecture practice brims with excitement and challenges, demanding meticulous planning, flawless execution, and unyielding resilience. I kind of hate the term because it's so overly used, but I think everybody knows imposter syndrome. And I think it's it's so real to this day. I, I, I don't know if it's with everybody, but with me, I'm always questioning like us. Can we do this? Are we ready to do this? Are we prepared? Can we do it? Did we just decide a name? <laughs> we did it, guys. Oh the one that God. came out of nowhere. Woo! It came out of nowhere. I liked it. I saw it. Ready to turn your aspirations into reality? Follow the link in the show notes to subscribe to Emerging and chart your own path to architectural success.